On this edition of The Next Phase with Steve Key, someone who I've got to know and respect for her knowledge, her attitude towards social media, and helping her customers. And also, when someone has a favorite quote in their bio, I, I have to admit I like that a lot. Don't be like the rest of them, darling, by Coco Chanel. Melanie has 20 plus years of experience in developing creative revenue generating strategies, product and service positioning and client experience. Uh, She's led teams locally, nationally, around the globe. She's worked for such big names as Bell, uh, Sirius XM Satellite Radio, which, by the way, I'm a huge fan of uh, Dyson, another huge fan of that MedCan, EHE International and Trade Gecko. And uh, the last 10 years, she's focused on only working in entrepreneurial businesses in preparation to launch her own business and retire from corporate life in January 2019. So she sort of took a bit of the route that I uh, took. In the first quarter of of this year, uh, RainSpark Social Media Marketing rebranded to the RainSpark Media Group, expanded its team and its services offering a full spectrum of digital marketing, including Facebook, Instagram, ad creation and management, custom graphic bundles, photography, website, copywriting, branding packages, you name it, Melanie's involved. So I'd like to welcome you to the podcast, Melanie. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that so much. Now, we met uh, through a lot of local business connections, you know, the Whippy Chamber of Commerce and just something between the two of us clicked. And, you know, we, we pledge to work together when we can and kind of leverage on each other's strengths. But the first question I have for you, uh, because I get this asked a lot myself, is I know you focus on local. And, and why do you want to focus on local? Well, it's, it's a really good question. Um, it's definitely where I started what I wanted to do when, we, when I started the business, um, because I really wanted to perfect the business model of being able to target content to the right people. So we have expanded beyond Durham region where the business started. We are now, we have clients in the GTA, but when we were starting, when I was starting the business, I really wanted to make sure that the content that we were creating was getting in front of the people who might be, um, who are most likely to do business with the business that I'm working with. Now, you know, uh, one of my reasons, of course, for wanting to work local is I saw this sort of a need locally. Uh, I think the success goes that there is only such a pool of, of available business here. So I can understand you going to the GTA, but I guess really, if you're like me, your first love is Durham region and trying to help businesses here locally. Uh, absolutely. And, and it's amazing when you can, um, when you can actually go out and meet um, the people that you're working with as well. So that was another reason why I didn't want to just say like, let's be national and let's be global right from the beginning. Um, I wanted to actually build those relationships, build those partnerships and watch those local businesses grow from what we were doing. Um, and so it's been a really, really good experience, which is kind of what ended up uh, leading me somewhat to meeting you. <laughs> that, and I guess that's not such a bad path. <laughs> <laughs> well, it hasn't been as of yet. <laughs> When you speak to a client, you know, where do you start? Do they come to you with a a challenge or a need or a clear idea of what they want? You know what? Some of the clients do come to me with an idea of what they want. It might not be what I would recommend, um, but they come with an idea. 
Um, some clients just come to me knowing that they need uh, to be doing marketing in um, either in a new way in how we do it in 2021, or they're trying to complement maybe um, more traditional forms of marketing, which I mean, I'm never going to say don't do newsprint, don't do, you know, um, radio. They're, all of them combined make for a really robust marketing plan. Um, so some of them have an idea, some of them don't. Um, where I start with them is really, um, it all comes back to discussion. Um, I want to get to know them. I want to get to know uh, why they started the business, um, the strengths, the opportunities within the business. I like to do that discovery with them um, to find out, A, if we're a good fit to work together, um, because I think that's when you are a good fit, magic can really happen. Um, and then I want to actually dig in to start thinking about how would I market them and do they understand who they're trying to market to? Because that's a critical aspect in, in being successful in what they're doing. So lots of conversation at first, um, just to understand their business, understand their target market, and understand them. But, you know, a lot of these businesses, they're familiar with, you know, sort of pure play marketing initiatives. And mm -hmm. you're starting to introduce a lot of things through the, the social side. You know, are they resistant at first? Generally not. So, I mean, I wouldn't approach somebody like if somebody says to me, oh, I hate social media, I don't want anything to do with it. We're probably not going to have much conversation beyond that um, because it's sort of I mean, that's our hero product in what RainSpark Media um, provides to people right now. Although we do a whole bunch of other things um, like ads on buses, like digital boards at GO stations, we've really, really expanded. But our hero product product is social media marketing. And it is a place where people go to get their news and entertainment and to learn and to shop. So chances are, if they were, let's say resistant, we probably um, are not a good fit overall. Um, just because I'm not going to convince somebody into um, it being the right avenue for them. Um, but then the people come to me and say, you know, I know I need it. I don't understand it, but I know I need it. That's a great starting place. Um, people who are like, I'm trying to do it. I just don't have the time, but I get that there's value in it. I just don't know that I'm doing it right or it makes me nervous or, you know, I just don't have enough bandwidth. They're great people for me to speak to as well. And um, because there's a lot of, um, I, I often say to people, you know, would you ask your 17 year old to produce a television commercial for you? And when they say, well, no, why would I do that? Well, then don't ask them to do your social media marketing for your business. <laughs> And I can't tell you how often that comes up, that people get the importance of it, but they think, oh, that person's young, I'll just get them to do it. Or the admin person at their office, they just put it over into their responsibilities. And again, if you wouldn't have either of those people creating a television television commercial for your for your business, they shouldn't be the voice and the feel and the tone and the marketer for your business in this channel. Do you find that the schools are effectively teaching? And, I, and I'll just, I'll preface this by saying uh, a colleague I worked with who did a lot of my social media at, uh, at IBC uh, was a gentleman by the name of Andrew Bartucci, very well connected, very good understanding. And up till about three years ago, the Humber PR program didn't even have a, a, a course focused on social media. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, are you finding that? Are the schools teaching this effectively? 
I don't think, I think that we've made huge strides in three years. I even think about when I started the business two years ago. Um, I mean, it's, it's a growing um, marketing channel. Um, and, and I know that there's actually, um, somebody just gave me the name of um, a teacher at UOIT um, that they asked me to connect with because they think that we could do some partnering. So I'm actually not sure what the current climate is in the schools right now. Um, I would imagine they are, it's probably getting more robust every single, you know, every single semester, they're probably revising. Um, I know that I, one of my employees graduated um, from college um, in April of last year, and, and they touched on social media marketing just a little bit in her course. Mm. Um, And she's learned a whole lot more being with me, um, just to learn like how to target, how to use hashtags. Um, so I think that it's just, it's a, it's a growing industry. It's growing very, very fast because it's rooted in technology. Um, and as all the different social media channels are, are changing and getting better and better and more Canadians continue to get on social media for their news and their entertainment, um, it's, it's definitely a growing beast. You know, when I started in, uh, in communications, you know, 40 years ago, um, there was no talk of social media. And even a decade ago, uh, when I was hired with the Insurance Bureau of Canada, now, you know, insurance industry in general is a, a fairly conservative industry, but, you know, traditional media was, you know, sort of a 95% of what we did and social media was five. Um, mm-hmm. By the time I left there at the end of 2020, I would say social media was 75 to 80% of what was being done and, and traditional was 15 Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it is definitely the wave and that uh, and companies, I think, have understood this and have had to embrace it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's why they're going to come to someone like you who has a pretty good knowledge of the whole marketing uh, spectrum. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you measure success? So um, with social media marketing? Yeah. So, so you're working with yeah. a client and they say, you know, you, you're going to set some goals and objectives. Yep. And how do you come around and say this was a really successful campaign or how are they going to feel it's a successful campaign? Well, it's a great question. Um, the things that I focus on and we're constantly sort of reevaluating the reporting that we provide to clients. But the number one thing is, are we getting their content in front of the right market? So what that means is. I send reporting that actually says, like, let's just say you're Durham region and you actually don't work, you don't focus on any clients outside Durham region. Um, You're not trying to acquire any clients outside or customers outside of Durham region. What we would do is we would look and say, okay, how many, what percentage of your followers are in Oshawa, Bowmanville, Ajax, Pickering? So we're looking by city to find out what your top cities are. And Mm -hmm. when we're looking to grow your followers, we're trying to follow people who are within the area that, that you do business so that your account might be presented to somebody as a recommended account to follow. So I would say, are we following the right people? Are the people following us from the right place? That's number one. What is our reach? Our reach tells us whether our hashtag strategies are using uh, are working well. And the interesting thing around hashtags, Steve, I can't tell you how many of my competitors, or even just people using hashtags, don't understand how to use hashtags. So you really want to get away from general hashtag use. You don't want to be like hashtag TGIF, 
because that just exposes your content to the globe. And if you're not shipping products around the globe, then the globe is not the audience you should be focusing on. If you have Durham Region, GTA, and the Kawarthas, then you really want to find out which hashtags are most relevant in those areas and create hashtag groups that make sense that you can match up to the content that you're doing. So reach is critically important because, again, it tells us, are we getting the message out to the right people? Um, and engagement. So do people like it? Do they share it? Do they comment on it? So those are probably the primary metrics that we look at. Hmm. And unless we're running something that is gener generating revenue, let's say a, an ad that has a start and an end date that has a very specific purpose, that is revenue generating. But social media marketing with the metrics that I just described are around awareness and it's around creating brand recall. So let's just say, um, Steve Key, if we were doing your marketing, we would want to get out there consistently. So get that reach out there, get it out to the right demographics. And we want to keep educating and engaging and presenting your brand in a recognizable way. So today, the people who see your posts might be like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, good to know. But when they're scrolling aimlessly on their iPad at night while they're watching the hockey game or doing whatever they're doing, that you want them to see your face and your brand and have it sink into their subconscious so that when they do need you, they're going to remember your name and contact you. That's uh, that's very valuable. Um, you know, you, you, you think about that and, and you think people want to do it, but they want to do it right. And I think that's so important. Do you have any big success stories locally that you can share with me? Yeah. I, one of my very first clients um, who was my test case uh, for the business model, she was able, she's a local chiropractor. Um, she really, the interesting thing was she wasn't um, in the discovery conversations I had with her. She actually had way more in her tool belt to use with her clients than I was aware of. And I was one of her clients. So I thought that was interesting. She was much more um, diverse in her techniques and her knowledge than I knew. And I'd gone to her for quite some time. So maybe that was because she was treating something very specifically with me. But when her and I started to do the discovery, I was actually very impressed with her level of knowledge. And I presented her through her social media as an expert because she had quite a range of knowledge um, that that really needed to be communicated. And we actually saw within about the fourth month of doing her social media marketing, she had an increase of foot traffic into her clinic and she increased um, her overall revenue by 32%. Wow. That's uh, that's amazing. And that's a chiropractor. And trust me, yeah. you know, it, it, it's it's really trying to stand out in a crowd because they're not the only chiropractor in Durham region. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you bring up a really interesting point because um, when I first started the business, I was like, okay, if I'm, if I'm doing marketing for a chiropractor, I won't do any other chiropractors. If I'm doing one for a real estate agent, I'm only doing that one real estate agent. But then I quickly realized um, as I was moving through my business model and I was getting more experience um, in forming what my company was going to be doing I realized it's less about what they do. It's about who they are. So really understanding their personality and making sure that the look, 
the feel, the tone, the words, the things that, that make them happy in whatever profession they're in, the kind of clients they want to work with, all of that is critically important information because then I'm marketing to a unique individual. And what you want is you want clients who are going to come to you because they see you as an expert and they think that you're the right fit for them. So as I started to work through that, I thought, you know, chiropractor A has a very different look, feel, um, different aspirational goals, different focus areas, different type of target clientele than chiropractor B. So I can successfully market several people in the same industry because a part of the discovery that I do with them is really understanding who they are and their expertise, whether it's them or a team that they have with them, and really being able to bring that story alive on social media. Well, it's really the unique value proposition, you know, what differentiates them from the others. You know, Absolutely. Everybody's going to do something better than someone else. I mean, I think we all have those unique skills where uh, our, an old boss said to me back in the corporate world, you, know, you need to proclaim your rarity. And mm-hmm. it took me a while to sort of let that sit in. And, and I thought, well, let's create my job around what I do best. And that was probably the best advice I ever received. You know, when, when I when I talk to you, uh, you're one of the most positive people that I've met. And you're kind, you're thoughtful. <laughs> and sometimes after years in the corporate world, you become a little jaded. And, yeah. you know, you, you're not. Is it because you're out on your own that you, you know, or, or did you did you fall into that trap of just, oh, here I go again doing this work? You know, it's interesting because I've. I had very, a lot of very challenging jobs, but I, I made a promise to myself. Um, I made a promise to myself that I would only do what I love to do and I would follow my bliss. <laughs> so those are two statements that I constantly have said to myself, probably the last you know 10 years in corporate life. So like I actually really loved my experience working at Bell Canada. Um, but I did find what, what didn't work for me was um, the ship was too slow to move. And so I recognized the things that I love to do, um, because if you do what you love, you really do it well. And so, and then you're not like dreading getting up every day. So I knew what I loved to do and I knew what wasn't working for me at Bell. And so I, I left Bell, um, which was, um, you know, I think I was there 11 years I left Bell and I decided to get into the entrepreneurial world of, uh, world of businesses, which is why I went to SiriusXM Satellite Radio, because it was fresh. Um, it had only been in Canada a couple of years. So then I was applying the things that I love to do to a much faster pace um, environment. And yeah. then I, and I knew at that point that what I wanted to do was be self-employed at some point. So every uh, company I worked with after that was to perfect a piece um, of understanding um, the entrepreneurial world so that when I knew it was time, I could take the leap. So how did I stay positive? I knew that I would believe in myself. And if something was no longer working um, where I was working, I would leave. And I, and I just accepted that I wasn't going to be doing, you know, probably 11 years again at any business. And that's okay. There's no shame in that. That is how you keep the passion alive for what you're doing. And actually, the last company I worked for, I knew through the interview process, I wasn't going to be there very long. 
but it was an important part of the journey to becoming self-employed because I was talking to my husband about, I think it's time to take the leap, leap and start my own business. He wasn't quite mentally ready. And I, I really thought the company was interesting that I was joining. And I didn't know how long I would be there. It was much shorter than, uh, I think it was my shortest stint at any company that I've ever had. But a part of keeping positivity and keeping um, focused on what makes me happy is sometimes pulling the ripcord and leaving. And that's okay. And it's scary and it's not easy. And, you know, you have moments of self-doubt, but in the end, I'm creating the life I want. So that, I think that's kind of the answer. Yeah, no, no. And it's a good answer. And and it, it, it goes into sort of the last question I have here. And I know that you're the mom of a young child, like a toddler. Yep. How do you balance that with running a business? <laughs> well, you know what? Layla is the priority. So I have to remind myself that every day. And I can tell you that the first, I've been in business now two years. Um, it's probably more challenging today with her than it was when she was a newborn. And I was still, my business was only I think she was only four months old when I started the business. Um, I had already tested the business model. It's very, very hard. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what the answer is other than to remember she's only young once. She deserves full attention from her mom and her, her father when we're around with her, which we try to make lots of time for it. And what I try to remind myself of is she is going to look at me to craft her own life. And she's already doing that. So I really try to show balance. And I think it's pretty exciting that now that I'm self-employed, um, that she has a very high likelihood of considering, if not being self-employed in her lifetime as well. And I think that that's probably the biggest gift I could give to her is that she can see that you can do it if you believe in yourself and you surround yourself with the right people. You can create the life you want. And I think that's critically important because when I was in corporate life, there were some really, really challenging times. And it always, although I loved what I was doing most of the time, I always felt like it wasn't exactly the right place for me. And so being self-employed is. And I love the fact that Layla is taking um, everything in around me as an example. And, and I think that that has to be the guiding principle all the time. Well, I think that's a, a great place to uh, to bring this to an end. I want to thank you for this, and I wish you continued success. Uh, you can find Melanie's website, rainspark.ca. I'll put contact information in the description. That's a wrap on this edition of The Next Phase with Steve Key. You can find us on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, in addition to just about everywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Also catch me on Zoomer Radio and on our sister podcast, Key to Travel, as well as the Buzzing with Bryson Insurance podcast I do here in Durham Region. Until we speak again, have a great day.